Hi, I'm a higher education CMO, and I have a confession to make. Measuring ROI is the bane of my existence. I am so excited to have this week's guest on to talk a little bit more about how we can do this super tricky thing because I don't think I'm alone. Confessions of a Higher Ed CMO, the podcast designed for higher education marketers. I'm your host, Jamie Hunt, and I am so excited to have this opportunity to share insights and inspiration. With Confessions of a Higher Ed CMO, I'm designing a different kind of podcasting experience. With each episode, I'll be bringing in a guest for a deep dive into the challenges and joys we all face in higher education marketing. After each episode, you can join the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag HigherEdCMO. I would love to see this become like a book club, but for a podcast. And be sure to follow me on Twitter at at JamieHuntIMC, that's J-A-I-M-E-H-U-N-T-I-M-C, for more opportunities to connect. Hey, everybody. I am thrilled to be here with Josh Dodson, who is the Vice President of Innovation for Vision Point Marketing. Hey, Josh, how are you? Hi, I'm doing well. How are you, Jamie? I am doing well. I am so thrilled to have you here. Um, When I posted on Twitter looking for somebody who has expertise in measuring ROI, your name came up and I wasn't surprised because I've been familiar with you and, and your work for a while. So thank you so much for joining me on Confessions of a Higher Ed CMO. It's my pleasure. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Awesome. So, so Josh, tell me a little bit about your higher ed journey. Yeah, sure. So I've been in higher ed for over 15 years now, and I've worked at all kinds of different, um, I, I guess, roles within institutions, both uh, from actually working at a university. Um, I, I've worked at four different universities as well as a couple different agencies. Um, so I started at uh, my alma mater, Lincoln Memorial University in Harrogate, Tennessee. And uh, from there, I went into the agency side of things for a few years and then went back uh, to Eastern Kentucky University, uh, at which, which point I, um, I finished my second master's uh, degree and started my doctoral work there. So I was, I was actually doing marketing. I oversaw uh, digital marketing. Uh, and analytics and that sort of thing, but I also was was teaching some classes, which I really enjoyed. Um, from from there, I was recruited to go to SNHU, uh, the uh, big online uh, institution with the the bus uh, that most people recognize. Um, and then from SNHU, I spent a little bit of time at Bentley University before coming to Vision Point, where I've been for um, about four and a half years now. And uh, it's been an exciting uh, journey. Um, I've, I've learned a lot with it. And um, one, one additional piece that I'll just mention is uh, for about five years of that, I also taught um, web analytics as well as kind of advanced statistical courses in analytics and, and measurement for higher ed through higher ed experts. And so um, I've had over 500 uh, students go through those month-long courses, and um, I've been able to learn a lot about how institutions are using web analytics as well as some some deeper business analytics. And and so 
both both personal experience as well as uh, what I've what I've heard and seen in the industry in my conversations. In my confession for this episode, I talked about how measuring ROI is sort of the this elusive thing that I can never quite get my hands around. And I know um, Zach on my staff and I have talked to you a little bit about this, but why do you think measuring ROI or having a measurement plan is important for marketers? Yeah, I think that's a really, really good question. And I, I would actually go back to um, the importance of being good stewards of uh, the resources that we're given. Um, I think that there's a th- that is particularly important um, in service to the mission of higher education. And so, um, the way that I think about it, at least, is that the better that we're able to use those resources, the more lives we can impact. And uh, if we're able to get more uh, people who are just thinking about going to school, if we could turn them into actual students um, and get them to enroll in classes. Uh, that's a win in my perspective. And um, marketing actually plays a really important role in that. And I think that um, very often there's a disconnect between marketing and admissions. We each kind of track and measure our own metrics. But in reality, um, we're able to connect those uh, metrics, if you will. We're able to see all the way through and, and, and see marketing's impact directly on that, um, that student journey. Uh, so I think it's really exciting um, to, to dig into analytics and measurement specifically so that way we can really impact more lives and ideally improve our society overall because God knows it needs to be improved. <laughs> That is such an interesting way to look at it and not something I've thought about before. I really love that insight that we're not just talking about stewardship, but just even beyond that, making the world a better place. I love that. What what misconceptions do you think are out there about measuring ROI? Yeah, there are definitely some some big misconceptions around you know what what it is that we can measure what what we can't measure um i think sometimes people will run into a um, a roadblock in trying to implement some type of measurement system and um you know they'll they'll be told no i can't i can't add this tracking code to this piece or you know maybe maybe there are some issues with doing that and what i find more often than not is that um it's it, it really is possible to do the measurement and to implement the tracking mechanisms and all of those things. It just requires a good amount of organization um, on behalf of, of those who are doing the, the marketing efforts um, and also a, a good relationship between, uh, between departments. And, and very often, um, you know, the marketing team has to rely on the um, IT team to you know, add tracking codes, perhaps even other teams, you know, if you're adding some tracking elements, for example, to uh, the student information system, like the application, for for example, and, uh, you know, that requires usually working with another team. And so that that's something that a lot of people, I, I think, don't anticipate, um, that it, it, it really does require a, a fair bit of interpersonal skills. Um, and the more that you're able to be comfortable, you know, uh, working uh, across departments, um, the more successful you'll be. And um, and you start to realize that whatever roadblocks you might have thought were there really aren't there. Um, they're just, they're more often than not self-imposed. 
um, because you know with web you can you can do so many things uh, with digital marketing. It's it's really just a matter of of getting the right people um, together to to make it happen. And and so that's probably the biggest area where I would say is uh, there's some misconceptions in, in in terms of what you can and can't do. And uh, I I tend to have the philosophy it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. Um, and so going and testing stuff, you know, putting it out there, trying it out and, and, uh, and, but if you mess something up, be very quick to apologize, uh, so that you can maintain those good relationships across departments and so forth. I think that sometimes that ask forgiveness instead of permission is the only way we move ahead in a lot of cases. At, At my last institution, it was a big fight to get a pixel added to a, a footer and I'm like everybody in the world is doing this there has to be right. a way to do this um, when I asked about this on Twitter a few weeks ago one person shared that they thought that measurement is unnecessary just go with your gut and do what your gut tells you and if it works it works um, what do you think about that do you think that that's true you know I I think that um, for certain People that have been doing marketing for a long time, um, there are you know some some kind of gut reactions that they can certainly rely on. And um, but I think that those individuals are are still relying on their experience and the things that they've learned in the past. And um, I will I will also say that there are certain institutions, um, the Ivies of the world in particular, that might not. Uh, have the same goals as you know the the average institution in America. You know they're not just trying to necessarily get more students. It's about shaping the class. It's about getting the right types of students. Measurement's still very helpful in those instances, but they're not lacking in applications. Um, and so you know at a at an institution like uh, like a Harvard, for example, I'm just going to pick on them. Uh, you know because I know some folks there. Uh, they they're doing they're doing fine in terms of 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 applications. And so the types of insights that you can use from um, marketing analytics to be able to make better choices to get more applications, you know, that type of measurement isn't as important to them, probably. Um, It isn't maybe something that they rely on quite as much to maintain, you know, their bottom line to maintain, you know, just to make sure that their school is able to stay open. Um, And I, I think that that's certainly a perspective that um, I respect, and it, it's a nice situation to be in. Um, but frankly, you know, the, the vast majority, you know, the, the remaining 3,000 plus institutions in America, you know, that do rely on, you know, students to come to the institution and, you know, they need to keep those students there. They need to attract those right students. Uh, a measurement mechanism of some kind and, and a plan um, strategy is really essential to being able to, to kind of parse out which marketing channels and which elements, you know, even sometimes which messages resonate better with the right audience. Um, so I, I think that that's a fair comment, um, especially as as we're drawing on, you know, years and years of experience in some cases, or if we're at an institution that, um, that you know, you don't, you're not frankly facing the same problems that other institutions are. Um, measurement might not be as important for, for those people. Um, and I can definitely respect that. But I think that, you know, for the vast majority of, of higher education institutions, it, it really is 
I would I would argue not only important, it's essential to um, to staying open um, in many cases because as we're going into this, you know, even deeper demographic cliff over the next few years, um, you know, the the pool is only shrinking of of which students you can attract, especially on the traditional undergrad side of things, and so. Um, it's going to be more and more important to make sure that, you know, the effectiveness of every single thing you're doing is tracked so that way you can know, yes, I need to do more of this or no, I need to stop doing this other thing. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a fair, uh, a fair comment, but it, it's within certain contexts. Hey, all, I hope you're enjoying this episode of Confessions of a Higher Ed CMO. I want to take just a quick moment to thank my friends at Nectar who made this new Enrollify podcast possible. Nectar brings affordable communications infrastructure to college campuses. It's like Slack, but for the higher ed student experience. Nectar integrates seamlessly with all major LMSs, making it easy for instructors and administrators to build emergent learning communities in all of their classes and groups without the extra work. Their focus is on boosting student engagement and reducing instructor stress by building a learning community in every classroom. By leveraging familiar technology like instant messaging channels, Nectar prepares students for the remote yet collaborative work environment of the future. You can learn more about their platform by heading on over to Nectar, that's N-E-C-T-I-R dot I-O, and be sure to tell the team that Jamie sent you their way. It's funny you mentioned Harvard because I just saw today that their admit rate for this coming fall is under 4% now. And I don't think they're struggling for applications, no. <laughs> to your point. Um, if a CMO has never had a measurement plan in place, where should they start with that? Yeah, that's a really great question. And um, I, I would actually, uh, I would argue that a really good place to start, you know, before anything else is to, um, is to, either read or, or at least familiarize yourself with the, the institution's strategic plan. Um, the reason for that is because, you know, if if there's a strategic plan that they really do take seriously and that they're following, um, it, it should be outlined what those priorities are for the institution. And that will inform what you're measuring and how you're measuring it. So as as an example, if, if the I... Um, if the goal is to grow student enrollment, um, even within particular segments, uh, maybe um, first-time uh, first students, uh, you know, um, first-generation students, or um, in any number of segments of students, military, so on, understanding what those priorities are allows you to work backwards um, and kind of think about your, uh, what I refer to as macro-level goals, um, those kind of institutional goals um, that that really you know the president uh, cares about and uh, and therefore you know kind of um, other other people on the cabinet you know tend to care about and so understanding those macro level goals is is the most important first step. Um, most schools tend to share those. Uh, that tends to be enrollments. That tends to be um, donations, uh, advancement. You know, kind of giving uh, those sorts of fundraising efforts, um, as well as uh, alumni engagement. You know, there might be something related to, you know, sports uh, uh, participation or, um, you know, kind of getting people to come to certain events. Like those are all different types of, of higher level goals that 
an institution might have that they tend to be shared across most institutions. And that's why our industry is is kind of nice because we do share a lot of similar goals and, and therefore we're able to uh, talk shop and, and compare notes, uh, which is something that not every industry does. That's one thing I love about higher ed. Um, and so, you know, when, when that's the case, trying to uh, trying to bring it down to the specific measurable pieces, you know, becomes a lot easier. And so if you're trying to recruit um, students and, and, you know, especially, let's say, traditional undergrad students, you're trying to hit a certain number. Well, you start to ask, well, what what leads to that number? What are the steps? And, and of course, applications, you know, and, and then inquiries and then before inquiries even visits to the website before that even clicks on an ad or a, you know maybe a, a Google search um, you you start to see that the, there are very specific things that roll up to those macro level goals um, that when you when you start to see how they they relate to one another it becomes much easier to um, to make better decisions about you know how you're how you're approaching that measurement uh, strategy. I love that. I think that connecting to our strategic plan is something that we need to be conscious of in all of our work. And I think it's something that it can be really easy to just focus on what's in front of you and less on what the long-term vision is. And sometimes the it's enrollment numbers, to your point, sometimes it's NTR. So it's more about getting more students who can pay full freight or, or um, that kind of thing. So that I love that idea of rolling it up into the strategic plan. One of the things I think we face in higher ed, and I'm sure other industries too, but is being able to track ROI and, and attach it to specific tactics because often the conversion isn't linear. Like it's, it's a very, it's a multi-year process to choose what college you're going to attend. How would you suggest approaching that challenge? Yeah, that, that's a great question. I think there are a few different things that I would definitely recommend having in place. Um, the first of which is going to be your standard web analytics platform, usually Google Analytics. Um, and the, the nice thing about that is um, by default, even just having that without connecting it to anything else, you're able to start seeing you know, traffic sources, where people are coming from. Um, you're able to start seeing even uh, multi-channel funnel uh, attribution. Now, usually with Google Analytics and, and those types of tools, that um, a conversion is most often either a button click, uh, let's say, to an application or um, the completion of an inquiry form. Those tend to be the, the standard uh, goal conversions, and um, those are important to track. If you're able to track all the way through to completed application, that's even better. Um, but you know, certain systems do uh, make it a little bit more challenging. Not impossible, but challenging. Um, and and so, once you're able to, once you have that um, foundation in place, you have the system. Um, you can start to take some more uh, deliberate approaches in how you're um, sending out your your messaging and your advertising. So let's say you have um, some Facebook ads. You can use what what we call UTM parameters. And so that's the, when you look at the long 
web address, you know, the UTM underscore campaign equals UTM underscore medium equals all of those, you know, there, there are five of them in total, but um, you, you start to organize your campaign around those parameters using consistent naming conventions, you know, like if you're going to use, uh, you know, CPC for, uh, for Google and you're also running Bing, use the same thing, don't change it to PPC. Um, those types of small things actually can make a big difference over time. Uh, so I would start uh, making sure that you're, you're using consistent naming conventions and then employ a very strict policy that everything that comes out of marketing uh, and ideally out of marketing and admissions, uh, anything that's sort of leading to that goal uh, is tracked. Um, and so that includes emails. That includes the you know email systems and anything that that might send people back to the website or or encourage people to interact in some way should have those UTM parameters. Um, now they don't have to be ultra specific for every single one. You know you can keep it kind of generic. And there are three main parameters to use. That's campaign, medium, and uh, source. And so that's a nice way to do it. But if you want to be a little bit more sophisticated in your approach, I would also recommend using the content parameter. And, and the reason for that is because you can start to differentiate your messaging a little bit more. And let's say you're running one ad, um, you know, that's focused on uh, active duty military um, audience, and then you're running another ad that's focused on veterans. Well, you can use that content parameter to differentiate between the two. And then uh, afterwards, after it's it's been running for a while, you can not only look and see what the differences are, but if you want to make some really strong decisions on what's going to work best going forward, you can even apply some statistical approaches like a chi-square analysis. That's something that we do quite a bit at Vision Point is we'll, uh, we'll run multiple campaign variations, apply a chi-square analysis to see is there a statistical difference between these two different messages. Um, sometimes there is, and that's great. Sometimes there's not, and you know that's fine too. We're just, we, we learn from every bit of information that we, we bring in. Um, but making sure that you know, you have, you've made those decisions on kind of how you're going to approach the, the tracking and, and those naming conventions and things like that, made those decisions, and then everyone is on board um, and implementing those. And that's something that does require a little policing. If it's, if it's not been done before, it's, uh, you know, giving some, uh, uh, some leeway uh, for those individuals to get used to, you know, for a period of time at least. And, um, and then it becomes second nature over time. It's, it's something that, frankly, you know, m my team doesn't even really think about because it's just an automatic thing that they're going to they're going to add to all of these different uh, ad types. Um, and so so kind of getting those pieces in place, that that foundation um, makes it much easier and then tracking it, kind of connecting it to um, kind of, I would say, the down funnel pieces, which is, which would be the application and even more importantly, uh, enrollments, uh, deposits and enrollments. Um, there are mechanisms to do that. We actually have a tool that we call Enrollment Drive, and, and it's built for this exact reason to do this exact thing, um, to connect it all the way through. And it, it relies on, on kind of a shared ID between systems, uh, making sure that 
you know, the, the web analytics system and um, your CRM or your student information system has a, a shared ID so that you can actually see all the way through that process. Um, that it definitely takes some setup and some work and, you know, um, not, you know, not to push uh, enrollment drive too hard, but like, it, you know, we're happy to talk with and even just kind of show you how, how we do things um, at Vision Point. And so there's some, there's some easier ways to do it. And then there's some more challenging ways to do it. Um, but I will say that there are quite a few institutions that have this set up uh, even today. Uh, SNHU, um, you know, we had it set up there um, at Bentley, at, at kind of some other other institutions that we've worked with. We've been able to set these things up. And while it's taken some work, um, be able, being able to see this specific marketing tactic drove a student, in, you know, to the website. They left. This other tactic brought them back, you know, maybe remarketing or organic or something like that. They're back to the website, and then what action are they taking? Are they they're completing an inquiry form? Maybe they're leaving. Then an email brings them back again to to actually do the application, um, you know. And and then you, so you start to you start to see the full process of that full downstream um, impact, and 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 start to see okay, these are the efforts that more often than not um, lead to an, an enrolled student because one of the key limitations that most uh, you know, marketing measurement, you know, individuals kind of face is like, you're exactly right. You can't see that full, that full view, but it's possible. And it's, and it's much easier than, than folks realize. Uh, because when you can see that you can actually find sometimes I'm remembering when, when I was at Bentley, we, it looked like Facebook was a much more effective marketing platform than Google ads were in terms of, of getting um, inquiries. So we were getting a lot more inquiries from Facebook, but when you could actually measure that all the way down to cost per enrolled student by marketing channel, it was the opposite. Um, Facebook wasn't actually bringing in a lot of enrolled students. Uh, what we were seeing was that there were a lot more enrolled students coming from Google search. And so if we had made the decision based on only earlier data that we had, we would have made the wrong decision, you know, and that that's not to say that, you know, in either case, you need to get rid of a channel, but rather how you reallocate those resources and maybe shift some money from one channel to another uh, can be very different depending on how deep you can see into that funnel. Um, but understanding what that cost per enrolled student is, um, that's that's super important. That is fascinating. Like that, that you may have acted on information that was inaccurate if you didn't have that whole path. How did you get all this? How did you get all this knowledge? Like, how do you know all this? Well, I've made a lot of mistakes over the years. <laughs> and so uh, as a result, I've, I've been able to learn from them. And, uh, and so um, reading a lot, meeting people, um, doing, ex I'm, a, I'm a huge proponent of experimentation. Um, I think that the more you can experiment um, and try out different things in a measurable way uh, that that says, you know, this works better than this, um, I'm all for it. And so, yeah, a lot of trial and error, to be honest. Well, and I think there's um, this line of work seems like it would be very appealing to somebody who does want to explore and innovate and try things. And um, I, you mentioned earlier that you love that this industry is one where people share their or share their insights and share the ability to 
kind of offer input on what other people are doing. And I love that about higher ed. I mean, it's just, it's remarkable how generous people are in higher ed. It really is. Yeah. It, I mean, people share so much. I mean, it sometimes you, 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 you learn more at a conference just by having conversations and even going to the sessions sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like I know somebody at every school, which is not true, of course, but I feel like I could track down somebody at just about every school and make some sort of connection and ask for help on something and get help. I know I I just, I'm totally tangenting here, but um, a couple of months ago, I needed to reach out to a colleague at University of Washington and I left a voicemail and he called back in 10 minutes and cleared some time on his calendar to talk to me the next day about a problem that I was having. And I'd never met the person before in my life. And I don't imagine that, you know, Target CMO is calling Best Buy CMO and getting that same level of, yeah, I'll tell you everything I did. I'll even package up the files for you. Right. That's awesome. I, I, I love that. It, you know, I mean, you're, you're exactly right. It's that, it's that care. And I, in I could be wrong, but I think a lot of that goes back to the fact that we're, we work at mission-based organizations, um, in, and you know that's not obviously the case of every place. But um, the fact that so many of us work in higher ed because we care about people, you know, having opportunities and 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 being able to help other uh, other um, people, you know, go to school and change their lives. I mean, I, I think that that at least for a lot of folks I know is a is a big inspiration, uh, and I, I hope it continues to be. I hope so, too. I think it ties back to your original point where you're saying that we're in this to make the world a better place, not just our individual campuses, but the world. Um, so back on track. Sorry, that's a Jamie tangent. Um, what KPIs do you think we should be tracking? Sure. that That's, a, that's a, an interesting question because it, it depends on – um, it depends on the person um, and the organization. And so uh, let's say that you have someone running, um, you know, Facebook campaigns, the types of KPIs that they should be tracking are going to be very similar to the types of KPIs that the CMO should be looking at that, you, you know, that you would want to look at on a regular basis. But there's probably a level of detail that you might not need that they that they would. Um, and so some of those KPIs um you know that that might be um, that a digital marketing strategist, for example, might might want to look at are going to be those you know cost per click um, you know numbers, some of the um, cost per action, or, or um, you know sometimes you know cost per inquiry. We'll refer to it. All of that's really important, and the cost per inquiry might might you know be something that you want on the the CMO dashboard. But perhaps, you know, not cost per click, that might not be as important or as relevant because those tend to be things that you're um, you're using to make micro uh, changes in the moment um, as you're kind of uh, adjusting campaigns. So but I think they're all they're all important clicks, um, view through conversions. All of those things can be um, useful kind of at a at a at a practitioner level. Um, and when you're reporting it up, I think the way that I would describe it is you need to, um, you need to get, um, narrower in your focus and they need to be more closely connected to those original goals, those, those macro level goals. And so, um, at the high level, at the highest level, you know, um, 
the, the type of information that, that the CMO might expect on a dashboard. Cost per enrolled student by marketing channel, in my view, is probably the most important one um, uh, in terms of being able to make marketing decisions. Um, you can you can look at the average. How, what's our average cost per enrolled student across all marketing channels? And then you can look at the individual channels. And that way you have a baseline um, to compare against. And you're able to then tweak and kind of say, well, this one, I'm, I'm several thousand dollars over for, you know, to enroll a student uh, as compared to this other channel. And so you might, that doesn't mean necessarily that you'll get rid of the more expensive channel, um, but it might mean that you might change the way you're using it um, and, and make some, um, some shifts in budget or messaging or approach. Um, those, those tend to really point to the type of strategic changes that, um, that really needs to happen uh, or at least needs the involvement of the CMO. Um, so, uh, cost per enrolled student is a big one. I would even say cost per inquiry as a comparison point, um, is a really helpful one. If you're going to see, um, if you're going to be helping with advancement campaigns, you know, that's another aspect of it. And, and if the goal is, um, is to get donations, for example, uh, you might track it to the donation form and, and some of those systems actually can work like e-commerce systems and push some of that data back into the web analytics tool so um, so that you can actually see directly within that tool what the different um, you know costs for the marketing channels are to get people to donate. So those are a few um, example metrics. Uh, I think what what all of this really comes down to though, and one of the most important metrics that is, isn't necessarily something you'll report on, but it's, it's important to understand is what is the lifetime value of a student um, at an institution. And so, you know, you can actually measure that in a number of different ways. Um, kind of the, the simplest way, I would say, that the easiest is going to say, you know, how much money um, is, uh, you know, this in, is this um, student bringing in? Um, and then subtracting all of the you know costs from the, all the basic costs uh, of the institution, you can multiply that out four years or whatever the typical graduation rate, uh, graduation number of years is, and you can start to actually see the lifetime. And having a really good idea of that number as as sort of your you know back of back of the head, you know it's like what do I need to beat? You know I can spend up to X number of dollars to bring in a new student and break even, right? And, and you always want to beat that. You, you never want to settle for that, but you can at least have an idea of like, what, what's your break even point? You know, and that allows you to truly measure ROI um, in, a, in a more significant way. Because if, if, you're, if you're only ever at your break even point, um, you know, there are some levers that you can start pulling to actually make the institution more and more profitable over time. Um, so understanding that lifetime value um, and then measuring cost per enrolled student by marketing channel, those are, I would say, two of the most important. Um, understanding things like clicks and, um, uh, you know, users to the website, those can be useful, but those are, are more of what we refer to as vanity metrics. And the individual who may, who may have said, you know, measurement's not important might have been thinking of those kinds of metrics because they're not as important. Um, they're, they're not irrelevant, but they're not as important as, as some of the, the metrics that more directly lead to the institutional goals. So 
Um, I know I'm really getting in the weeds with some of these uh, responses, but uh, I want to, you know, kind of draw it out as clear as I can because I think that there's there's so much value, and frankly, um, really, most institutions are not even thinking about this. Um, that's why SNHU and some of those other schools that are as successful as they are, that's why they're as successful as they're. Not the only reason, but that's a that's a contributing factor because they're they're thinking about those things. They're asking those questions, and then they know what their limits are. Um, so all of those pieces play together and, and tend to be really important. Hey, all Zach here from Enrollify. If you like this podcast, chances are you'll like other Enrollify shows too. Our podcast network is growing by the month, and we've got a plethora of marketing, admissions, and higher ed technology shows that are jam-packed with stories, ideas, and frameworks that are all designed to empower you to become a better higher ed professional. Our shows feature a selection of the industry's best as your hosts. Learn from Mickey Baines, Jeremy Tears, Jamie Hunt, Corinne Myers, Jamie Gleason, and many, many more. You can learn more about the Enrollify Podcast Network at podcasts.enrollify.org. Our shows help higher ed marketers and admissions professionals find their next big idea. Find yours at podcasts.enrollify.org. No, I think, I mean, the point of this podcast is to do a deep dive. And so this is great conversation. I just wish I could download your brain into my brain because you are so knowledgeable on this topic. And this is definitely something I think a lot of schools struggle with. To your point, not a lot of schools are doing it. And I think there's a lack of knowledge or understanding of how to do it. Um, and it's not necessarily something that you're taught in um, when you're in school. Like, how do you, how do you measure? Um, and when I was in graduate school, they were still talking about MySpace. So it's, it's not always super relevant by the time you get out into the real world too, um, depending on how long ago your education was. Um, are there any secondary markers of ROI that marketers should look out for? Absolutely. Um, you, you know, a lot of what we've kind of, or what I focus on and, and it really is um, kind of focused on like the enrollment drivers. A, a lot of what we focus on are, are those enrollment drivers for good reason. Um, but not everything is about just driving new students. Um, you want to maintain the current students you have. You, you want to um, you want to build community. You want people to feel connected. Um, and so with those, I actually think that there's a great deal of value in some of the social media metrics, um, you know, things like those, uh, how many conversations are being um, shared? How many conversations are, are you seeing, you know, prospective students really engaging and, and having those that back and forth, uh, looking at some of those things? I think that those are, those are maybe secondary to some of the, um, you know, more direct, we got to get a student here. Um, but they're just as important in, in a different way. And, and, because you've, once you've got all of the other pieces in place, you've made all of this effort, and you know you've put in all of this work to get us to get a student. Um, you know you want you want to keep them. You want to make sure that they're they're you're doing the right things to keep them. And, and looking for some of those, looking at the um, at the, those social media metrics and kind of seeing those those engagement you know scores and, and things like that. That can be really important. Um, in fact, there are there are some tools that um, enrollment drive that I mentioned at, at Vision Point. You know, we have some to 
measure those types of engagements as well, um, kind of defined across a number of different things, like how many times they're coming to the website, how frequently, um, and looking at some of those engagement metrics, because it's really, it's in part about getting people to do a specific thing, but it's also about getting them to want to engage, to want to be there to, you know, um, and then, and then activating the, the people on your team who can then respond, you know, well to, to that, you know, I, I actually, uh, tip my hat to Liz Gross and the campus sonar team and some of the, the stuff that, that she's doing, um, and, and measuring those social media metrics that are so important to that conversation. Um, that's a little bit different than, uh, you know, that enrollment focus. So, um, so we might call them secondary because they they might not be as directly connected, but um, but there's I would say still in, in very much important, um, and even some of those metrics like you know just number of visits to the website uh, or, or number of visits to particular pages on the website. I, I know of um, some institutions. Uh, I know of one even very recently that. Um, you know, the, the website went offline for a while when they made it pretty far in uh, March Madness. And, um, you know, that that's some big surprises there when you're a kind of an institution that not a lot of people were familiar with. And then suddenly you're on the national stage, you Google it and you, you go there. And so traffic, met, basic traffic metrics tend to be really important when you're trying to keep your website up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, for sure. Yeah, I, I would I would definitely include like all of those um, all of those types of uh, metrics as um, as perhaps secondary um, secondary to maybe the, the your primary goal, but um, but also very very important for uh, different reasons. Well, and I think some universities, a lot of universities, are trying to influence their peers for the U.S. News and World Report rankings. And so there's there's some metrics there that I think you have to make, make some, do some thinking about how will you measure those campaigns and the, the outcomes of those campaigns. And when I think about um, trying to grow a research enterprise, sometimes that is something that you may want to have campaigns or communications around to try to improve the perception of your institution for those granting agencies and um, getting potential partners from a research perspective to look at your institution and your faculty and see their expertise. So there are definitely audiences and um, revenue generating things that aren't always tied to students too. But it's the same basic principles for tracking that. Um, the ROI on those things. Exactly. And, you know, I think one of the things that um, at, at Vision Point, one of one of our goals for a number of years has been um, to create raving fans. You know, what does that mean? Right. It's like, how can you measure raving fans? And like, there are different ways. But ultimately, you know, that that's a little bit of a maybe a softer metric, right, that you're using, you're, you're getting an idea about like, maybe some things about how often people would recommend you, things like that. Um, but ultimately, your your real purpose is to generate excitement and and kind of uh, interest and intrigue around like this is a this is a this is the agency we want to work with and like they're doing cool stuff and, and we we can work you know with them and do cool stuff for, for that institution too. And and just kind of thinking about that like raving fans, you know, that's one of our that's been one of our goals. Um, and uh, you know I think I think those maybe, as I said, like softer metrics 
are still equally as important in different ways and, and definitely should not be ignored um, by any means. Yeah, and some of those metrics can drive enrollment as well. Like, And we all know that if you are an unknown school that appears in the final, uh, final four, that your applications are going up next year. <laughs> Almost <laughs> certainly. <laughs> that's that's guaranteed. It's too bad we can't um, somehow market to make our football teams or basketball teams uh, perform even better than they do naturally. But unfortunately, that's not something I've figured out yet. If somebody listening has figured out that, please let me know. Um, do you have any other thoughts on measurement, ROI, analytics, any of that? I, I would just say um, the the most important thing that I can I can share with any anyone at an institution that hasn't been doing this you know for a long time is that's that's okay and you have to start where you are. Um, it's okay if if you are just setting all of this up from scratch for the first time um, because I'll be honest, most are in that similar situation. So. Uh, most institutions are. There are only a small handful, um, and you can probably name them off the top of your head, that have had those types of uh, of infrastructures uh, in place to be able to support it. And so, since most schools are are in that same boat, I would encourage everyone, uh, if you find yourself in that same boat, start where you are, but just start. Um, there, it's so important to just start and. Um, put the foundations in place. Maybe you can't, you know, connect your your system all the way to your CRM or your student information system yet. That's okay. Maybe that's a next year project or or down the road at some point. Um, but you can at least put, you know, Google Analytics on your site and start tracking how many inquiry form submissions you get. Those sorts of things. Um, but starting small, um, you know, uh, you know the the there's a an old an old verse uh, do not despise small beginnings um and that's uh, i think uh, there's a lot of wisdom in that i love that i might have to add that to my my twitter bio that's fantastic well josh this has been a fantastic conversation i'm hoping that everybody listening has had some good takeaways if nothing else forward it to somebody on your team to listen to um josh where can people find you online Sure. So um, probably the best places to find me will be on LinkedIn, Joshua Dodson. You can just look me up uh, uh, and uh, also on, on Twitter um, at Joshua D. Dodson. Uh, those, are, those are two of the, the best places. I'll, I'll also mention that um, Twitter for, um, for Vision Point at uh, VIS Point, um, you know, you, you, can, you can sometimes see me there too. So uh, those are those are the, probably the best places, and um, always welcome conversation questions and and really, um, I just I love to help institutions uh, kind of figure out how they can make this work for them. So uh, please, if if there's any questions, don't hesitate to reach out. Well, thank you. Hopefully, this podcast is listened by millions, and you will just be bombarded with people <laughs> who are looking for help. Um, thank you so much, Josh. This has just been fantastic, and. Um, for the listeners, uh, don't forget to use the hashtag HigherEdCMO on Twitter to engage in some conversation around this topic after this episode airs. I hope to see you there. And you can always find me on Twitter at Jamie Hunt, I-M-C, J-A-I-M-E, 
H-U-N-T-I-M-C. My mom and dad named me after the bionic woman. So I got that nice weird spelling. Um, and I hope to see you there. Thank you so much. Hey all Zach here from Enrollify. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Confessions of a Higher Ed CMO with Jamie Hunt. If you like this episode, do us a huge favor and hit that follow and subscribe button below. Furthermore, if you've got just two minutes to spare, we would greatly appreciate you leaving a rating and a review of this show on Apple Podcasts. Our podcast network is growing by the month, and we've got a plethora of marketing, admissions, and higher ed technology shows that are jam-packed with stories, ideas, and frameworks that are all designed to empower you to become a better higher ed professional. But Enrollify is far more than just a podcast network. Enrollify is where higher ed comes to learn new marketing skills, discover new products and services, and find their next job. We're a growing learning community of 4,000 members, and we'd love to welcome you into the fold. You can access our free blog articles, newsletters, e-courses, and more, or purchase our master course on how to market a university with Terry Flannery at enrollify.org. We look forward to meeting you soon and welcoming you into the community. Again, you can subscribe for free at enrollify.org.